a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real-life experiences and the tools they develop to move forward and live their best life. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. Today, <laughs> we're going to talk about Christmas. Woohoo, it's almost Christmas. Oh, I'm so excited this year. This year, I'm kind of breaking all kinds of traditions. I'm, I'm pushing myself outside my comfort zone a little okay, bit. let's talk about that because Christmas is usually such a traditional time of year. We sometimes box ourselves into those traditions. So I'm interested yes, so in hearing. One of the things I do with Thanksgiving is I... After Halloween, I transition all of my Halloween decorations into just fall decorations. So pumpkins stay out. Sure. Um, but fall leaves. Go. Um, okay. Yeah. Jack-o'-lanterns go. Any schools or like witchy. Sure. But anything whatever. that's just more fall can kind of carry Everything over. falls, stays. And then I pull out my turkeys to complement my Pumpkins. pumpkins, okay, and, gobble gobble, and, and those kind of things. Well, this year I ended up at at home, and I just happened to run into some things that I just thought were so adorable with other Christmas items that I have. Oh, so already. wait a second, you ended up at at home. Yeah, got it. Not at home, as in your house, yeah. but no, at the oh, store. Yeah, at the store, okay. <laughs> at the big box store. It took at me a minute. Home. I thought you were just in your home oh, and you sorry. realized all these decorations. No, got so you. I'm I'm at the store. So you're finding at some home. great decorations. Yeah. And I found these great decorations. So I spent too much money and brought these decorations home. Well, and it was cold outside, and I'm like, I really don't want to go store these to have to put them up in two weeks. Sure. So I started putting out Christmas decorations with your with fall. fall. Oh, I love it. It's the best of both worlds. <laughs> it's a little uncomfortable for me. I was going to gonna be say, honest, how did you, how did your mind handle that? Could you My mind it is okay? not doing well with it. <laughs> and I'm making myself not be well. Oh, and I'll tell I love you why. It. I realize since John died that sometimes things just don't go the way it's, they're planned. And sometimes. It's okay to not have your house be completely perfectly curated. My house is I Yeah, you're love a great design. decorator. You have a beautiful yeah. home. Yeah. I love design. My home is beautiful. People always ask me who came in and designed it, but really like me. it's me. Yeah. And well, I will say I did have some recommendations from some people at Alice Lane that were helpful, but I already knew what I was going in right. there looking for. So anyway, it's been interesting. There's a little place above my refrigerator that has room where I didn't decorate for fall that I had room and where I wanted to put this big sleigh and these trees that I found. I found these big metal trees and it's very kind of kind of reminds me of a little bit Grinch, but not really okay. a little bit farm, but not really bringing in the Christmas. And, um, and, and it's just so dang cute. And I bought the sleigh because I've had this 
teddy bear Santa Claus with a big sack of toys on his back for years and years and years. And he needed a sleigh. And he was on on skis, but the oh, skis cute. have broken off. Like he he's so pretty he damaged. Yeah, he needs a ride. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to throw him in that. Anyway, it's fun. It's a little bit mentally disturbing. I'm like I I catch myself want to. Wanting to apologize to people when they come over, like, sorry, I started decorating. And I won't let myself. I, I want to do that. I'm not apologizing for anything anymore. I decided. This is the new bold Michelle. She's this just is, owning it. I'm just owning things and doing things but different. But let's talk about that. And being a little bit uncomfortable. I'm sitting with the uncomfortable. And sitting in it and being okay with being uncomfortable rather than having to make it okay. Uh-huh. And I think as we look at resilience this past year, I mean, mm-hmm. it's been a whole year that we've interviewed amazing people and and had great lessons and insights on resilience. And I keep coming back to where I think I am. And it sounds like you and I are similar, similar timeline Mm -hmm. since our husbands died and similar different journeys, but acceptance. And I don't believe in the grief steps where acceptance Mm -hmm. is like the last step Mm -hmm. and then you're done with grief. But no, they they just unfortunately start. It's like, have you seen the drawing where it's like just a scribbly ball (laughs) of lines going every way? Yeah. But acceptance, you know, an acceptance, I think let's talk about how that is at the holidays. The holidays, like I mentioned, traditions are so beautiful, but sometimes the tradition boxes us in. Sometimes now the absence of that tradition makes it feel worse. The right. grief is worse. Now, yeah. we would have done X, X. Y, Z. If Brent mm-hmm. were here, if John had lived, it would have been. And to be honest, we don't know what it really would have been. We, right. we think it would have been that. But we come into holidays with a lot of expectation. And most of our holiday expectations are based on our past mm-hmm. holidays. So let's talk for a second. Remember when you were first married? Now, you got married super young. Mm-hmm. So... um I remember first being married to Brent and the awareness that Mm -hmm. families do holidays differently. I had only ever known my family's way of doing Christmas. And then all of a sudden I'm married to this person whose family does their own Mm -hmm. traditions and their own food and their own things. Yes. When I discovered Jell-O on a plate at my house, (laughs) like during a meal, that was like mind blowing. You're like, whoa, what have I done? What is wrong with these people? That's what you give sick people. That is not food. (laughs) And it's certainly not a treat for the holidays. But I feel food on your plate. Oh, that's that's a transition, right? Yeah. When you're transitioning from the way we've always done a holiday. I mean, I can tell you what Christmas always looked like in my home growing up to maybe what does Christmas look like married or away to college. Mm-hmm. I remember one Christmas that was just the most bizarre to me of all. I served a mission for my church and I was in Santiago, Chile on Christmas. And it's the Southern Hemisphere. So it's hot and it's sunny and you're trying not to get sunburned and you're eating watermelon. And it just <laughs> felt so out of place. That was Thanksgiving? No, for Christmas. Oh, for like Christmas. sorry, Christmas. That time of okay. year though, I mean. Like so instead of having yeah, that would be bizarre. Instead of having Christmas lights around the roof with snow, they would literally decorate which I don't know how they did because it seemed like they were power lines, but all the different street posts and lamp posts and things throughout the city, they were decorated with like empty gift boxes or things that almost looked like pinatas. So lots of color and bright, but it was dry and it was warm. And I mentioned that because that Christmas, it was interesting. I didn't feel super homesick because it almost didn't feel like Christmas. Do you know what I mean? It was so different. Right. Versus now, think back to that first Christmas or two after Brent died, after John died, when everything else feels almost the same, 
that absence, I think, becomes more glaring. I, I agree. And we would have this conversation when Brent would deploy and and speaking about how difficult it was for him to leave our whole family and leave our cute kids and leave every way of life he was familiar with and then go be gone for a year at a time. And he would talk about how difficult that was. And yet we're the ones who felt his absence because when he went to Afghanistan or Iraq, he wasn't used to us there. That was never a paradigm that we were with him in. So our absence was just not in that moment. Does this make right. sense? Am I yeah, making sense? Yeah, yeah. Versus for us, you know, I remember the first Christmas when he was deployed, we had two little ones and they were little. I mean, they were one and three. So mm-hmm. little enough that Christmas was still the super magic and super amazing. And I remember for me how awful that felt because we were just as a family starting our own traditions. This is the first couple Christmases with kids of our own. And, and yet he was gone and that absent felt so poignant because everything else was almost the same. So now fast forward, here we are, you know, 17 years later. And I think I'm kind of where you are, where I'm learning to let it be okay that it's not what it was Mm -hmm. and it's not what it might've been. And it can still be really beautiful. Yeah. And Christmas doesn't have to look like, because I think sometimes when you lose someone, you almost feel like you have to, I have to keep doing what Brent would have done, or I have to keep this tradition because it's tradition and it's the only thing still living after he died. And while there can be some beautiful pieces of tradition we carry forward, I think sometimes it's almost, I don't know if easy is the right word, but I think it's worth considering that maybe you just start something different. Yeah. And then maybe it doesn't quite feel so off because the way we're celebrating is is different. Like I said, the year I was in Chile, I'd didn't really miss a ton of home because they weren't doing anything near what we would have done at home. The right. weather was different. The food was different. The people, the language, the everything. And so that's what my kids and I, you know, we're in this new home. It's our first house, our first Christmas in this house. Everybody's a little older. I feel like we've maybe gotten out of the COVID and everything mm-hmm. that that did to us. And I think we're really looking forward to embracing what elements we want to bring forward from past traditions and Christmases. And maybe what new things we want to do. And both can have a place. And here's the thing. I think that you can have these conversations with your kids. So last year, my kids, so my Christmas tradition since John's died, we used to do it different, but pretty much since John died, I host a prime rib Christmas Eve dinner. Beautiful. And part of our tradition was to do the pajamas and then I would do stockings and then we'd play games or whatever. And then um, the kids now go to their house and I am alone on Christmas Day. Oh, my goodness. How is that? And that it's been. Do- I, I'm so many years been, away from that. I'm not sure I could even wrap my brain around. Yeah. That. It's so been you wake three, up on Christmas three years yourself. for me. So this will be my fourth huh. fourth year being alone on Christmas Day. I go to a movie. Um, which is a tradition that John and I used to t- take our kids and family we did that with. All growing up, we'd always go to a movie on Christmas. Um, so I take myself, and oh, I love it. sometimes I sleep in. So your family gathering is more the Christmas mm-hmm. Eve, Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day. Each of your children are with their yes. families now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And on Christmas Eve last year, my daughter-in-law and my daughter, who both have children, said the kids are getting old enough where 
they don't understand why we're getting stockings from Santa at your Ooh, house on Christmas Eve. Something I didn't even think about. Logistics. How because I have do always that? done the stockings, but my kids would normally stay the night on Christmas Eve and we do right. Christmas together. But since John's been gone and they have their own family. Right. You're sending it with them ahead of time or letting them have it ahead of well, time. Well, we would always just have it at night. Yeah. Um, when we did the pajamas and then we would do our gifts to exchange the, then. So they want to change that. And so I'm not doing, and it's really weird to get out of habits, right? So I'm going to the store. To let that go and give yourself the freedom to let Last that go. Last year I went down and I got, I went to that pirate's booty store oh, or whatever yeah. it is. And I got you a bunch of those. They had all the Harry Potter candy. Harry Potter Oh my gosh, stuff. I forgot about that. And I start thinking about that. I'm like, oh, I should go down there. I wonder if Jenny needs anything. We need no. all the good candies. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm like, I should make a run down there. And then I realized, oh, I don't need to run down there because I'm not doing stockings. So the parents will now do it instead of grandma. <clears throat> uh-huh. And mm. which, honestly, please, sure, let them take, take it, it over because yeah. I spend more money oh, stockings. on stockings <laughs> than I do on the actual <laughs> gifts for everybody. Not to mention it takes a lot of time to think it through and gather yeah. the things because it can hold a lot of stuff in a stocking. Yes. And I have a whole bunch of traditional things gathered around stockings, a toothbrush, an orange. So has that been hard to let go of this year and um, say, we're going to let mom do that? Right I now? hope that they remember that they have mentioned this to me. I actually haven't talked to them about it, but um, yes, I'm not doing stockings. I, I, I need to have this conversation probably at the end of Thanksgiving where I, I'm just going to say, by the way, I heard you guys last year and I am not doing these. So that'll be interesting. But so it is interesting, right? I have four kids. I could probably say to one of my kids, hey, I don't want to be alone. Sure. Come stay the Whatever. night. Let me go to like, your house. Yeah, I, there's a lot of options for me. But um, you're comfortable spending that day with you. I'm really comfortable being alone. I really enjoy I my strength. own space. Not, not I everyone love, can do that. I love sitting in quiet. I don't always have radio going, yeah. but I love music. I love Christmas music. But you can let yourself kind of be in that space. I will get up. I will make myself a hot cup of coffee that morning. I will play with my dog, and I will probably go back to bed and snuggle with my dog and and just take, and a, take day. a nap. And, and then I'll day. get up and shower and go to a movie, you know, something like that. Okay, I love that. We need to take a break, but when we come back, we have with us Kelly Ann Halverson, our producer, and she never wants to be on our show. <laughs> but today's the but day today, we're going to give her I a think brief it's moment the day to visit with that us. she should at least chime in a little bit because we want to talk about non-traditional what happens when you're in a non-traditional family in you're a very single... family-centered holiday. Yeah. And so we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. We're back. And we have Kellyanne Halverson. She is our producer. So she's actually on our podcast every Every single episode. (laughs) And she is our producer, our editor. She is amazing at her job. She does the social media. She creates the clips, the the artwork. You and me. (laughs) You guys are easy to get along with. Don't worry. (laughs) She keeps us on track by like reminding us where we need to be and when we need to be there. She's actually. I really want her on our show later for another episode on some personal things, but she's not decided <laughs> I, when, if she's quite ready to share those her, things. When I braces off, which is in about five months, I, I think I can join you. Okay. So, All right. There. That's like a mental checkpoint for me. So Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll let her. I'm sure nobody hears the list, but there's not really one, but she's conscious about the fact that she got braces on. They look great, by the way. <laughs> They're fun. Yeah. They're amazing. And I, I love that you're taking care of yourself and yeah. doing something for you. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yep. That is great. <laughs> I had braces as a kid. They changed the way I smiled. And right. I, the one thing I get told every day of my life is, you have a great smile. I don't think I would have the smile mm-hmm. if it had not been for the sacrifice from my right. parents. And I, so. I had them as a kid, too. I just lost my retainer in my early 20s. And now I am 36 and trying to better myself. And I think let's that's get great. these braces on. So. Well, you're mm-hmm. looking good. Mm-hmm. And we can't wait to see that pearly white <laughs> smile when you're done. So don't lose so your retainer So this is our Kellyanne. <laughs> Kellyanne, actually, she has her own podcast, really, right? Mm-hmm. Fan X. Uh, fan Effect is, fan is effect. what it is fan with effect. Andy Farnsworth. Yeah. Just yep. nerdy stuff. I'm just a big nerd. And I, I try to embrace the joys uh, that I have but in my But you life. have a lot of fun with it. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit, just real basic intro <laughs> of what you do? Because uh, I bet we have some listeners who might be interested in learning so more yeah, and following we, along. We do movie and events and we do reviews and TV shows and stuff. But the point is, is we're fans that are talking about why we love our fandoms and why we love these storytellings. So we do work a lot with the Megaplex Theaters. They're a sponsor with Fanix, uh, Salik Comic Convention. I'm trying to convince them to sponsor the show for 2023. But how that relates to resilience is I kind of hid my nerdiness for a very, very long time. And then when I was in my late 20s, I read Kunmari's book, uh, The Joy of Cleaning. And sure. she said, you can surround your stuff by things that bring you joy. And that completely changed my prospect, my outlook, everything about my life. And so I decided to embrace my nerdy side and my joy of storytelling and supporting arts and creativity and things like that. So it kind of led to this second career as a, as a producer now for KSL. And it led to doing things like this fan based podcast where we get Okay, I love that. that you got that out of that book. Yeah. Because <laughs> I read that book and just felt like a total hoarder. And <laughs> well, it was kind too. of hard for me to be like, I might have to get back to this in no. a couple years because there is no way I'm going to have this all tidied no. up, the magic art of tidying up. But, but I love that mm-hmm. you discovered how many of us, Michelle, have some element of ourselves that we've kind of sat on. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I think of Clint Pulver, the public speaker who speaks, he's a drummer, and he speaks of... 
used to tap everything in school, tap the desk, tap the tap mm-hmm. the neighbor, tap the everything. So we had a teacher or principal, I can't remember which, that told him to just sit on his hands. Mm-hmm. Sit on his hands and maybe he'd stop tapping. And then one day he had a teacher that said, actually, here, take a pair of drumsticks. And how many of us are sitting on our hands, mm-hmm. proverbially speaking, about mm-hmm. something right. when what we really need is a pair of drumsticks? Mm-hmm. And so, Kellyanne, you've... I didn't know that. I thought you yeah. just always done it. I didn't realize no, it was something no. you kind of sat on mm-hmm. for I a while. I love this story. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and so that's here I am now, and I've actually had given presentation at Fanix about it and everything. So the life-changing magic of embracing your joy. Oh, my gosh. I love joy. that. And it's kind of funny that you're, you're talking about this as a holiday, as a Christmas special. And one thing I've realized is one thing that brings me intense joy is actually supporting and sharing other stories and things like that. So... I'm a non-traditional Christmas individual. Um, I am single and 36, and I've never really had a very stable, strong, romantic relationship with another. I'm just so, too socially awkward with that. And so how I embrace my joy at Christmas and serve at Christmas is by actually serving. So I have my nieces and nephews, my honorary nieces and nephews, my best friends and everything like that. And what I try to do at the holiday season is try to find fun, creative ways to, to serve others. So I actually I, I will babysit on for family members and friends to go out holiday shopping, offer to like you know hide Christmas gifts at my house and my storage unit, things like that. And then one of my absolute favorite things I do every year for Christmas is, you know, I have a lot of very creative artistic friends. And one of them, her name is uh, Brittany Johnson or VO Arts, VO Wolf. Uh, you can find her artwork at voarts.com. Every year, I commission her to do my Christmas cards. So she'll make these adorable little creature uh, monster illustrations. I'll write a little something mm-hmm. with it. And I have mine from last, last year. I know. Yes. I, in fact, I just cleaned out my office <laughs> and I was going through my sack of Christmas cards from last year. And I'm like, oh, I'm yes. like, I don't know what to do with this. Do I frame it? Like, yeah, I know it, it's literally it a work of art. <laughs> yeah. I know. And so she's working on hers right now. We're actually doing the sock eater monster again this year, oh, but that's it's going to be all cuddled up by a fireplace in a nest of little stolen socks. And I'm going to give socks to people for like, okay, that's the cutest. Be, yeah, have a warm and cozy holiday. Okay, that's um, the cutest. <laughs> so I think that's one thing about the holidays with me is like, even though I am single and I don't have that relationship, I have been able to share my joy of the holidays with others by serving them, by supporting them, by giving to them, as well as just like, doing joyful things and being incorporated into their holidays. I never got married, um, mm-hmm. but I found my quote-unquote in-laws, and it's my best friend's family. Oh, how fun is that? I, I do Christmas Eve with them, and I'm just another daughter there that, oh. I've, that I've been Adopted family? I'm, yeah. I'm, I love this. They, they yeah. kind of call me their foster daughter, and, you know, and my foster father actually passed away this year, um, and so I'm doing what I can to support them this year. But that's what I do for the holidays is it's, it's not about me. It's not about me at all, but it, it is about finding ways to celebrate others and to bring my nerdiness and arts and creativity into celebrating the holiday. So, you know, I love that you embrace your nerdiness. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. I think we're all nerdy. We all have some nerdy <laughs> oh, thing yeah, about us. We all have us. our own fandom. Yeah. 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 That's my favorite question. What's your favorite fandom? So, <laughs> I, the interesting thing is, my favorite fandom would have been childbirth for the first 12 sure. years of my Mother life. Your doula. And then it, yeah. Right. And then it would have been politics. And now I'm reinventing myself. And the funny thing is, I like my grandkids are really into Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I did have a boyfriend that was really into it. And he could out talk him and they could talk about all the shows and how they all interlink and connect. (laughs) 
I don't operate on that level of like being able to process and maintain information about like these mm-hmm. things. The backstory of every movie. Memory. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm like, it's amazing. But I will say that since I've gotten to know you, mm-hmm. I have kind of stalked you a little bit on the fandom stuff because there <laughs> are some elements. I do love mm-hmm. Marvel. Yes. And I love DC. Yeah. It's yes. not an either or for me. I love them both. And I have preferences in, in either category, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I would be really hard pressed to to like name a character and go. Now wait a minute, was that DC or is that Marvel? Mm-hmm. Like I'm and not. That's okay. That's I, okay. I'm not at that level. Like Fanex people are crazy. Like they know everything <laughs> about everything. And like, if you get talking to them, you're like, oh my gosh, they are like an encyclopedia right. of their. No, they know the biography world. of every single of, character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how and that, they relate, and how they move into this story and that story and this other series and this, and it's crazy and it's awesome. But I am inspired by you, and I'm also inspired by the fact that you actually like a little bit of cosplay. Like you like to dress up with your mm-hmm. fandom. Yeah. It's and called bounding when it's not full character costume. What is it called? Bounding. It started with bounding at Disneyland where you're not allowed as an adult to show up as a character, but you can wear outfits and clothing that are reminiscent or celebrate the character. Okay, really oh, like you're I'm not allowed at Disney because you might look like you're trying to be a yeah, cast member. Yeah, so you can't uh, – like little kids and stuff, they can dress up till like they're 12 as a princess, but then there's kind of that that age where like I can't show up at Disneyland dressed as Sleeping Beauty. Okay. Um, so I would bound. So I bound a lot and I theme a lot of my outfits. Fits and clothings and oh, and I love you it. always have great clothes. Every, I know. She every does. time we're in the studio, her wardrobe is ridiculous. Yeah, it is and fabulous. I, like, so there are times that I'm like, I it's very my storage unit is it? And I love sharing it and letting people borrow. Oh, you do? Oh, she's yeah. ready. Did you hear she's me? She's ready. I just said, oh I my gosh. Wonder. And I have lounge flies and bags that match with that. Like, no, I'm all about things oh, should be hoarded and kept to themselves, but they should be used and loved. And anytime I lend something else, I realize it might not be returned. It might be broken. And you're willing to. You know, I've always wanted to have like a consignment shop. You right. and I should open a fandom-based consignment shop. <laughs> oh my shop. goodness, that'd be it's so fun! It's great. And Hall- Hall- the holidays, I get requests for some of my Christmas dresses, and then Halloween is really when it when it erupts. I hear all these texts coming because in you have so. Much. I'll take people to my storage unit. Yeah, yeah. So you literally have a storage Mick- unit for clothes. Uh, half of it's about clothes. The rest of it is my decorations for the holidays and for my annual Disney Adventure Land themed party. So. Yeah. Oh my gosh! She you takes gotta it seriously. your joy in life. Like. I know. I but I love that you have that joy, and I love that. Yes, you're 36. You've you're uh, you're active I'm LDS. Right? I live with my parents, but I love my parents, so it's totally awesome. But you're active LDS, <laughs> right? Yes, you yeah. live with your parents. Mm-hmm. You haven't found that, so you no. really fall outside. Yeah, the very untraditional standard. Sure. Uh, recipe of mm-hmm. what maybe other people yeah. in the church would yeah, think that yeah. you should be doing. Mm-hmm. The cultural, like the, the yeah, cult- yeah, the, the I'm cultural doing what I should be doing. But sure, the right. The cultural mm-hmm. should. Mm-hmm. I love that. I've gotten to know you. Mm-hmm. You have the most tender heart. Like <laughs> I don't think that there's anybody with a softer, kinder mm-hmm. heart. Yeah. And, and that's I, part of the reason I'm single, but yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I would disagree with that. I would say that we have not come across your Mr. Wonderful yet. <laughs> there is your Prince Charming out there somewhere. I think you have a lot to offer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all have our quirks and, and our... In, I think it's a hard time, and, and we could have a whole other yeah, topic yeah, on, yeah. on this. It's a hard time in dating because 
there's a lot of factors that are changing socially in our community. And I think it's just becoming complicated in ways that it really doesn't need to be. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's, that's a topic that's a whole, for another day. That's a whole different. But, you know, what's amazing for me is because I have chosen and I was like angry in my 20s. Mm-hmm. I was very mad at the world and, and I hid my joy because I'd been told by some people it seemed like I was fake because of my joy. Mm-hmm. Or like I get kind of the critique a lot is like you giggle too much when we're in a recording. It's like, but it's so real. It's a sincere laughter. But when I decided to embrace my joy, it's crazy to see how it affects others, how they mm-hmm. also get excited. You and give them permission to you. do the same. Yeah, yeah. And because of that, you were, you know, I really believe stories is the only thing that changes the world. Yeah. Um, it's not money. It's not politics. It's opening yourself to someone else's point of view. Yeah. And we can connect mm. with people because of these stories. We can change ourselves because we're hearing other people's stories. And that's so, like, why that's, you're the perfect I love producer that. for our show. <laughs> right. Because that's so. all we're doing. And that's exactly what the vision <laughs> that I had when, when I suggested You're facilitating this. that storytelling. Um, yeah. You're facilitating the storytelling. And. I love it. You're often touched by our callers, and mm-hmm. and now we've been able to have some people in studio. studio. Yeah, it's been very tender. It, it's great to see you connect mm-hmm. with their story and mm-hmm. and have a level of compassion that is just so sweet and tender. Well, I've really enjoyed it, and I have to say, walking into KSL to do this podcast, we record three hours on Mondays, but I always know that we're going to greet. Be greeted <laughs> oh, with yeah. a big, happy, a big giggly smile. smile. Yeah, I and love Mondays. And, Mondays a, and a great outfit. Yeah. <laughs> a great Today's outfit. I always sweater. I love the sweater. Yeah. I always I love, love to know what we're going to walk into, but I always know it's going to be joyful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would. That's how I would. So, I, I think that's the thing is, yes, you're valid in your feelings of being sad and lonely at Christmas. It's okay to cry. It's okay to, to do that. But also just surround yourself with that joy and be okay with serving others and find ways to to do that and to share what what brings you joy. I, I'm so excited. Last year as well for, for Christmas, my friend Vio Arts, um, she creates this little thing called a, a grumpicorn. It's a little grumpy monster. It's a unicorn. I had her create little statues, little toys, each version of this for for my nibblings, all my, my nieces and nephews, honorary and whatnot. And people loved it. So just share your joy. Let your light so shine. It's okay yes. to well, be how awesome! How awesome is that to say, you know, the holidays can be a lonely we we know there's statistics and studies out there that it's a very depressing time it can be just Mm -hmm. an emotionally difficult time what if we stopped making it about us right what if you found someone there's someone you can cheer up there's someone you can help whether it's a niece or nephew a neighbor a friend there are food pantries that are in desperate need for santa's i know bring great joy when people maybe take their children shopping for someone else's child Mm -hmm. or or go find someone to help well and at the same time don't be afraid to ask for what you need around the holidays my my parents have been really wonderful about like what do you want for christmas what do you want for your birthday we know you don't have someone like taking care of you like a spouse would or talking Mm -hmm. about that so i always tell them what i need and if i need a break or if i'm feeling this way so don't be afraid as well to be like hey like my parents this year i'm reading my room so it feels more like my space instead of eight-year-old kellyanne's space right Mm -hmm. um that's what they're helping with this year so tell what you need, find ways to serve others, express your joy, and it's okay to feel lonely. And I think mm-hmm. for some people it might require thinking through what do we need or yeah. want, right? I know and it's that's, okay. It's okay. To, to not know that answer. What 
what would bring me joy? Mm-hmm. I, how how often do you ask yourself what brings you joy? How often do you ask yourself what's mm-hmm. your fandom? Even yeah. you know what is what is your inner nerd mm-hmm. passionate about that maybe sometimes feels socially inhibiting or mm-hmm. I should be. I, I know for me it's I just think so often I'm I've always been outspoken. I've always been kind of bossy. I've always been everything I am, and I think for a long time I kind of tried to hide that or downplay that until I realized I just am who I am. I'm probably as attention deficit as my little guy, Jacob. Yeah. And, and I, I run, yes. And I run, you know what? And Brett probably yes. was too, right? And I can either feel bad about that and apologize, or I can just say, this is what it is and we're going to run with it. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe what resources do I need to tap into to help make yeah. it not drive everyone around me crazy. But <laughs> being our authentic self, how do you be your authentic self in the holidays where there is kind of that social pressure of what we're supposed to be. Ooh, I think you guys should talk about that in your next segment. Here we go. We'll take a quick break and okay. be right back. Michelle, let's talk together. How do we become authentic? How do we let ourselves, maybe give ourselves permission to be our authentic selves, even through a holiday season that can sometimes feel contrived or a bit forced might be the wrong word, but there's a lot of expectation that's wrapped into the whole Christmas season in in Western culture. I think it starts with asking ourselves the question, is this what I really want? What do I need? Am I doing this because I feel like I'm doing this out of expectation? Because everybody else expects me to show up in this way. Everyone else expects me to spend X amount of dollars. Everyone else expects me to do all the food, whatever it is, right? Does it actually bring me that kind of joy or peace? Right. Is this something that I really want? Is this something that I really need? Or, Let's even back it down to the first question is like, how am I feeling about this holiday? What What is it and bringing up I? for me? Where am I? And maybe with addressing this? some of that. And, and addressing some of those feelings and those emotions. If you are making your plans and you realize that one of the days you're going to be on your own and you don't have anyone, you know, talk to yourself about that. Like. Yeah. Is this scary are you okay for me? To be alone? Am I okay? Should I call? Maybe I want to call someone. Yeah. Not you, should I, but maybe I choose right. to. Maybe it's time for me to reach out and say, hey, I'm alone and I really would like to find some place. Do you have yeah. room for me at your table? And maybe not wait for people to read your mind and maybe feel hurt as they don't. Right. Because that's not realistic. You know, I have become more aware of that this year. You know, it's been really interesting for me. You and I, we lost our husbands, but. I have been actively participating in the dating world and I'm meeting so many people that have one either never been married or two have had one or more. I, I, I'm not going to say failed marriages, marriages that were no longer useful and they're no longer in those relationships. And there's a lot of grief around that. A lot of people feel like they failed. They fail. I hear it all the time. I hear people like refer you said, to we do. It as we call failure. it a failed marriage. We yeah, call it we failed. default to that. Yeah, That's true. And actually, sometimes they're not. Right. In fact, I am aware of somebody right now who they had a great marriage. They raised their kids mostly. They're not completely out of the home, 
But they came to a point in their lives where they realized we don't love each other in the way that we should love a spouse. We're good friends, but we've become really good friends Mm -hmm. and we are not romantic partners. And so they ended their relationship in a very healthy way. They're still very involved with their kids. They still talk to each other. It's not, it's very amicable. Like sometimes these things happen, right? Right. But they do create grief and they do create problems at the holiday when now what is normal? All the worlds of tradition or, collide. Right. And, and so I have, there is a guy in my singles group right now who's currently going through a messy divorce and he doesn't want the divorce. And he's, I think he's in his 60s. And I've been a support person. I've been calling on him and checking on him. And I think that we need to pay attention to other people. Right. Look outward. At this time of year. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't have done that normally. Like, I I wouldn't have thought I was such in the headspace of, like, everyone's partnered. Everyone's mm-hmm. coupled when I was married. Sure. And I didn't realize how many people are all around us that are really suffering and not because they're alone, but because they do want to have that relationship and it just hasn't been found yet. And it would be really nice if people paid attention to their neighbors, paid attention to the widow and the ward yeah. or and the, just took a little time to reach out a little time to reach out and maybe just make an extra seat at the table. So I reached out to people I was comfortable in including with my family this time and I, I've reached out to quite a few people just to check on them and to say, ask if they had a place for the holidays. They actually all did. But I've been able to get a little bit more consciously aware yeah. of this in our communities. Whereas before, Jenny, I, I never yeah. thought of a single person or a widow or a... Well, you were wrapped in your family and, yeah. and your own traditions. I know one of my biggest struggles that I've really struggled with Christmas, and it predates losing Brent, um, I... I can picture the early years when we had a lot of little kids and he was deployed. And it was the 2011 Christmas. I had four kids. My my baby was not quite one, and my oldest was maybe seven-ish. And I remember just being so frustrated. For me, the holidays bring a real cognitive dissonance as a mom because I am super type A. Mm-hmm. I'm super OCD. And yet I live in a world with so many kids. And as a single parent, whether my husband was deployed or now deceased, it's not realistic. I can't mm-hmm. I can't meet that demand of what mm-hmm. I think it should mm-hmm. be. And so where Christmas gets hard for me is Christmas is a time of giving. And I love to give. And I want, my kids will say they want the thing. And I want them to have it. I want them to be so surprised. And I want to make it so magical. And yet I have a hard time because in my mind I want, I mean, this isn't fair to my kids. And I'm just admitting this. I want, you know, you, you want there to be the good behavior. Mm-hmm. You want that, like I can't, if the, if the kids are misbehaving and things are crazy, then it's I don't hard for them. me to reward that. And so then I'm like, I'm just going to cancel Christmas all together, which isn't fair because you shouldn't have to earn your Christmas or should you? I don't know. I go back and forth. And so this, this one particular Christmas, 2011, Cars, the movie was big for little kids. Mm-hmm. And it was the second one where they're in, in Great Britain. And I had these darling little walkie talkies, where it was these two little cars and they were walkie talkies for my two oldest kids that would have been five and seven, six and seven. And I remember being so overwhelmed with the season, overwhelmed with those expectations. And they were probably only expectations of myself. Like mm-hmm. no one was beating me down, but I was perceiving that 
I had to have the house clean. I had to have everything great for Christmas. I've got to have, and my husband's deployed and I have to keep everything up and I have to be the strong army wife. So I was doing it to myself, but I remember my kids kind of misbehaving as kids do. And I kind of just lost it on them. And I, I remember telling them, be quiet or don't do that or whatever they were doing. And I said, if you do that one more time, I will smash a Christmas present with a hammer. Like I threatened them that they would lose a Christmas present. And you're looking at me with big eyebrows. You have to love me. You have to love me I through love this. You. Love me through I this, love people. You. And let me tell I just, you, I know I there's have other parents done this with my I, child's phone. When it... I know there's other parents out there that struggle with the dichotomy of the season of giving. Yeah. And yet, I don't want to overindulge my children because we live in a world of overindulged children. And it's my responsibility to make sure they're hardworking and appreciative and grateful. And and, and again, that cognitive dissonance in my head. So, whatever I didn't want my kids to do, they did. And I remember like in a fit of rage going upstairs to my closet where I had this cute little walkie-talkie toy hidden. And I brought it down. And I remember thinking, now I have to follow through. Because mm-hmm. you can't make a threat and right. not follow through. Parenting tells you that. Right. Don't. And so rather than realizing I never should have made the threat, right. I'm holding myself to the letter of it. And again, this is just the flaw of type A type of people. And we talk about sitting on our hands. I'm having to learn how to be type A and be chaotic and everything rather than insisting on it. So I get the poor kids little walkie talkies. I literally had a hammer. The walkie talkies were on the kitchen floor and I just smashed it and my kids are looking on and I remember dropping it and picking up my phone and calling my mom and just being like, mom, I'm not okay. Like I legit just smashed the Christmas present for my five-year-old because he probably, I don't know, spilled milk or something Mm -hmm. stupid. But it's where I realized how I was carrying the holidays was completely ruining any chance of the holiday being good for anyone. Yeah. And I find myself, I continually struggle with that. Mm -hmm. And I have to let myself let go of those expectations. And I think even, you know, with, with Brent gone, probably one of the most emotionally easiest Christmases for me was the first Christmas after he died, which sounds very ironic, but I didn't buy my kids a single gift that year. The whole world did. Everyone spoiled them because he died right before Christmas. And it's like I had permission to just say, look at these children who've just lost their father and they have all these beautiful presents that kind people have chosen to Mm -hmm. give them that I would never give them that many because I don't Mm want to spoil my kids. But I was able to emotionally step back from the, you have to earn your Christmas. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't need to earn your parents' love or affection. Mm -hmm. So this is me being super honest and vulnerable. No, I appreciate My base personality of being so demanding. I am a perfectionist. I am type A. I want my kids to do this, live this way, behave this way, act like this. I want Christmas tied up in a bow. And because of that, I've really gotten to the point where I hate Christmas. And I can realize that's on me. Yeah. It's on me. It's not, there's no, there's no Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade telling me (laughs) it has to be this. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I can say that I'm, I'm 43. My oldest daughter's 17. My baby just turned five. And it's still something I have to consciously let go of and just let Christmas be magical. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be merited, which is interesting because as a Christian, it's all about the love of Jesus that none of us deserve that. And Mm -hmm. he could drop us on the side and smash all our hopes and dreams for how we behave. So this is something that particularly as a widowed single mother where I don't have that sounding board, you know, when Brent was around, he could really help me kind of level myself out, Mm -hmm. whether he's gone on a deployment or gone now in the ground. That's something I really struggle with. And like Kellyanne, what I've found these last couple of years is really thrown myself into helping 
like suffer Santa type of things. Mm-hmm. Because I would never not give to that child. Why is it so hard for me to give to my child? Mm-hmm. Why am I so afraid of ruining my children by overindulging them? When we, when I, I, I want them to get what they want. I want so badly to buy it for them. I have to give myself permission to just let that be okay and let it be more like the grace of God than an earned paycheck. Mm, right. But I'm just being super honest. So that's where without no, I Brent appreciate here, your vulnerability. It's hard for me. I can be grateful all day at Thanksgiving. Yeah. I love shopping and finding the bargain. I can't wait to get them wrapped. And yet I have that psychological difficulty of letting myself just let my children be kind of spoiled for Christmas. So, it's hard. You know, it's really interesting that you bring this up. I, being a type A personality... Which I feel like I've let go of a lot in this past year. I feel like I'm settling. I feel like I've settling. definitely come a long way from yeah. where I was 43 years ago at the start. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but let me, or at least let me share five. with you, as a mom whose kids are now all gone and grown, I didn't do this with Christmas. Christmas was the free pass. Behavior was not a warranted thing. I have ruined birthdays for my children. Because when my children misbehave, I canceled their birthday parties. That's me and Christmas. I I threaten to cancel it every year. Like even even working up to it is and I and funny, I get and excited I for the it. Black Friday sale. So I'm not judging you in any way. I understand it because I would take away their birthdays because I'm like, look, I get to celebrate your birthday. I brought you into this world. But you will behave yeah. and you don't get to act like this. And if you cannot I'm behave, then we're not doing this. I'm a terrible, I call myself a scorekeeper. Like when I'm really honest with myself, mm-hmm. I'm, which isn't fair to a child, particularly at Christmas. And I, I would never want people to scorekeep with me because I'm completely flawed and imperfect. But I'm just saying this is something that as a widowed mom with all these kids around the holidays, that to me, what feels the hardest, it's the expectation I put on myself right. of what I should be doing as a mom or what I should have implemented this past year. I, I've told you before, I, the holiday, I get to Christmas and I just feel like I failed all year. Everything catches up with me that I'm really excited in January because I get to start over. But December's really hard because I am hard on myself. I become hard on my kids and I'm having to learn how to let go of that and just let it be. Like you mm-hmm. said, just sitting with the Christmas and the Thanksgiving vacation or decoration yeah. on the same so shelf. I'm going to s- say to you, looking back, I'm 53. I've got 10 years on you. My kids are now gone and grown out of my home. And looking back, I wish I would have given free passes on birthdays and on Christmas. Not that they shouldn't have been disciplined, but that it should have never been tied in. It has with, to be separate. It has to be separate. Yeah. I should have never tied it into a birthday event, a birthday party. It was the easy holiday. thing because it's there and you're working on it and you're spending all of this money and you're angry because you're thinking... I am doing all yeah. of this stuff and I'm making sacrifices I'm so hard in our to family. Make this so amazing for you. Yeah. And then you're being a total little jerk, you know? Yeah. So, but looking back, I wish that I had done that differently. And I wish that I would have just removed that. So and you it gotta is help our me type for this A personality. It is our type A personality, yeah. right? Because we want performance and we want our kids to be contributors and not takers in right. the world. And so I get where the drive is. It's just misplaced. And looking yes. back, I'm like, you know, I could have done, I could have still disciplined them and still separate from separate from. Well, and I love you ultimately, regardless, regardless of your behavior. And I'm going to celebrate the day yes. I brought you into this world. 
and I can celebrate Christmas because it's Christmas and we're going to celebrate the birth of the Savior or and whatever you're going to celebrate. It's a season of giving for. in our culture, right. sure. So, and those can be separate from discipline on right. poor behavior around those times. And I don't have to carry the weight of everything that went wrong in this year no. at the end of this year. And that's where I go. So, that for yeah. me, I love what Kellyanne said about finding joy and embracing who she is. I think if, if anything, this past year, I've gotten better at recognizing who I am, mm-hmm. good and bad, being more honest, well, mostly with myself. The rest of you all around me have probably known me and diagnosed me years right. ago. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. But it's it's being honest with myself for yeah. me to be able to say, okay, this is hard for me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I can do this, but I just kind of need somebody to own up to the fact that this is hard for me and 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 recognizing that distinction. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I loved um, this idea of embracing who we are. At the holidays, at the difficult times, grief can again be that magnifying glass that makes everything ugly, uglier, even if it's a, a character flaw. Like mm-hmm. grief did not take away my own character flaws just because I'm heartbroken over my dead husband. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it makes them worse. So that's what I'm trying to be mindful of as we wrap up this year and get into a new year, which will be year five without my husband, which is a milestone year in my in my OCD head. Mm-hmm. And just trying to say exactly what you said. I'm okay with just being okay. Yeah. And I can put the Christmas decoration by the Thanksgiving yeah. decoration. I can have a beautiful Christmas morning for the kid who might have back talked to me yesterday. And we'll work on the discipline mm-hmm. and the respect separate from the gift giving. So that's my, that's what I'm working on as we wrap up 2022 and particularly as we get ready to dive in 2023. So there's yeah. my Christmas message. Super honest. All the, all the weaknesses of Jenny Taylor on one microphone. <laughs> you know, we're, we all struggle and I think it's really good. I, I know people really admire and respect you. I mean, I, I hear about it a lot because like I'll say, oh, I have a, podcast and then they'll say what's the name and I'll say relentlessly resilient my co-host is Jenny Taylor oh I know who Jenny Taylor is blah 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 so like I I hear about it all the time people love you they admire you you know the loss of Brent has really resonated with so many people I think it's really beautiful that you can be honest and vulnerable <laughs> because it's not easy because and I smashed a walkie-talkie yeah you know on the floor of my I, tile like I'm I will glad never to forget hear it shaking because... in that moment and calling my mom and saying get like I need your help right because what it really was it had nothing to do with the kids behavior or the walkie-talkie it was me as an overwhelmed mom with deployed husband and all these kids too stubborn to ask for help right 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 so i'm learning and uh you know that was a, a decade ago and i'm a decade older i hope i'm at least half a decade wiser in yeah. the last decade we'll see where the next decade goes i just think it's been four years and your kids were just all so young they're not all so young anymore your baby isn't a baby anymore she's, she's five, five. You know, um, Megan's about to graduate. Yeah. And, and so you've really got and, you know, it's complicated for anyone who who thinks, oh, my goodness. And she has seven children and that's a lot. But what they don't really think about, which honestly, I think about so often for you when it comes to you and your children. I don't really just think about the number. I have a different reality. And I think about it's got to be so difficult to have seven people, seven personalities seven different layers of grief and every year th- that grief morphs for every single one of them 
it changes based on their age, their experience. Their own milestones. Their own milestones. Senior year of high school has been a right. really interesting one. Absolutely. Yeah. So, like, it's it's compounded grief. It's complexities that most people just can't even fathom. And I live in a type A mind that just wants everything to be a checklist and fit in the box. And, and that, I think, is maybe my greatest lesson of the the inner nerd in me that I have to just let that. You have to let it go. I have to let it go. I have to still but be who I, I am tell and you, let it go. I will tell you, there's a couple things you can look forward to. <laughs> I always struggled with housekeeping. Like, I could never keep up on my laundry. I could never keep up on the house. I thought I was the worst cleaner ever. I, I, I even hired... Um, um, housekeepers when my kids were at home during different times because I just couldn't keep it all together. And then my kids moved out of the house and all of a sudden my house is clean all the time. It's not always clean. I mean, I I do make plenty of messes and I just went through this huge cleaning phase and it, a huge cleaning phase means a huge mess phase. Right. Yes. Because as you're cleaning things out. Yeah, I get it. And so I've been going through closets and everything. You will have a time when you will have order and peace in your life and you will miss the chaos. <laughs> and everyone says that. I know you don't believe I it know. because I never believed it. And I'm thinking, who would miss this? Yeah. You will miss I, it. I see glimpses of it now, especially as I do look at my kids, because, you know, in my mind, my oldest is still as little as my littlest, right? You remember those mm-hmm. days. And I look at her and I see her. Growing up, you know, without her dad here and growing up and moving on to the next best thing in life. And she's doing wonderful things. She's she's thriving. She's doing great. And then I see that little baby that's not a baby. And I think, you know what? I'm glad for my grief. And, and this is to me, I, I believe God knows me and my capacity and my limits. I'm glad that my grief has been as chaotic as it's been because it's forced me to let go of some of the things I've had to let go of and, and really had no other choice. And that chaos and that crazy compounded grief has probably been what keeps me afloat. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting in a decade. Yeah. It's interesting (laughs) because for me, I was such a detail oriented person and I wanted like events, political events that I set up, you know, down from the microphone and who was picking it up and timing and, um, you know, flowers, food, whatever. Every detail. Every detail had to be looked after. And in losing John and actually the diagnosis of, of his cancer, I really, it was like, I'm getting this lesson again in life. I mean, mm. I could see the lesson repeated in my right. life. Which is true for You're all of us in, in control. the lesson. You're yeah. not in control. You're not in control. You're not in control. And I'm like, when is this going to end? And then when John got diagnosed, it was like, oh, this is never going to end. Ugh. I'm not in control. Yeah. And that shift has taken a long time. And I would say in the past four years, from the time of his diagnosis to now, the one thing that I realize is I am not in control. And there is a song that says, or an old saying or whatever that says, Life is what happens to you while you're busy making Making other plans. plans. (laughs) And I realized I can make all the plans in the world. And I have no idea really where those are going to land. Yeah. Not that I'm not going to make the plans. Right. 
but I'm going to surrender to the process it that unfolds. Surrender. Oh, what a word. I'm going to surrender to the process and, that unfolds. And I'm going to trust that the universe has my best interest at heart and that all things are They're meant fall into for place. our good. I know. Which I believe that for a fact. I I think this has been a great conversation as we as we wrap up this year. I'm excited to talk about new year, new goal, new. I do love the opportunity to try again, I think, because I get so hard on myself that January almost feels like a clean slate. Like the mm-hmm. universe has offered me a do-over, mm-hmm. even though I could probably offer myself a do-over or, you know, whenever. But this has been a great conversation. If, if you're listening, we hope that you're able to find joy in these holidays. It might be difficult. It might be heavy. The heaviness might be you. It might be your own darn personality getting in your way. It might be your grief, your trial, your finances, your health. There's a list a mile long of things that can make the holidays difficult. I think our challenge to each other and to everyone listening is let's try to find ways to create joy. Yeah. Let's create that joy. Let's I let want go. to challenge all of let's our listeners to, to try to do one small thing for somebody else. And Just yeah, one small thing. That. Just... Pay attention as you're shopping, as you're out and about, as As you're you're reading your social media, as whatever. Pay attention and then choose somebody in your life that you wouldn't gift normally or you wouldn't do an act of kindness normally. And just do that one small thing. It doesn't have to be big. Just make one small effort. I love that. Okay, Kellyanne, thank you for joining us today. That has been great to get your insight from the other side of the microphone. To our listeners, thank you for listening. We hope you will continue to join us when the new year comes and and find us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a like, a rating, and a review. And as always, you're invited to come share your story, your vulnerabilities, your lessons learned. We'd love to share those stories of real life and real tools of resilience. So you can find us on Facebook at Relentlessly Resilient or on Instagram at Relentlessly Resilient Podcast, or you can email us at rrpodcast at ksl.com. Remember, whatever you do today, be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives. Have a great day. Merry Christmas. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.